0: you two questions one is this or is this not chasing history jake larson I'm ready for some monday night concussion
1: protocol and two-time nebraska walk-on trial participant colton stone sometimes it just like replays through my head and it's just like wow yes it is two do i or do i not currently have a pulse yes i do let's play football Good morning, beautiful people. It's 10 a.m. on a Friday. You know what that means. It's Chasing History time. Chasing History on 90.3 KRNU. Colton Stone alongside, as always, Jake Larson. Jake, how are you, brother?
0: I don't know if always is correct, but it's it's pretty close. I'm technically, my physically, I'm here. <laughs> Mentally, I don't know if I'm always here.
1: Yes, it's uh, always a question of whether you'll physically be here or mentally be here. But I'm glad you are here either way. Um yo, middle of the week, crazy weather. And now it's back to fall weather. It's fall baseball weather. Um not for you and your cubs, but um but, but yeah baseball's still going on Jake. That was very rude. no well please be nice. <laughs> and also Yeah, please
0: be nice. And also just as important, my Omaha storm chasers, you know, we never have fall that never has fall <laughs> baseball, sadly. I would love what I, I think they need to start doing for, like, people, the for people like me, no, for oh. people like me that have their team is out, they need to start having like the Omaha Storm Chasers play some random like seven game series on like Thanksgiving.
1: <laughs> and uh, the Albuquerque Isotopes are in town this week. It's December third. Welcome to this.
0: I need to look this up, but I know that there was when the Pacific Coast League was actually, you know, a the league Pacific league. On the Coast. Coast, league. Coast yeah. Um way I think in the fifties I think this was when this was. There was a nine-game series uh, played in January.
1: Jeez. Well, they might as well need start figure, doing. I need that to now.
0: do research to find it, but I know, like, just in the back of my mind, I have that knowledge. Yet, I have no idea what's going to be on my Spanish test
1: next week. <laughs> well, you should uh, petition your teacher to just use BaseballReference.com for your Spanish class. I need to do that for all of my classes. I would. Is it still your default browser? Yeah then maybe
0: I would uh, I wouldn't cry all the time that explains why you can't find a translator
1: uh, ever
0: um, Google Translate for only individual words seems to do okay <laughs> why don't you I, tell, throw I in, meant on baseballreference.com <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about I have no idea how we got here um, I'm keeping real history. with you chief I don't
1: know how we got here would be chasing history if we didn't get off topic Jake, I have created a little little document here, and I think you of anybody, well, yeah, you of anybody would probably be able to to get this. Um, Of course, I can get it. I made the list. But basically, I made a list of, of 10 quotes or rap lyrics, and you have to decide whether the line is from a famous college football coach or from a rap lyric. You don't have to tell me what song. If you know it, tell me. Yeah, I'm but, going for the bonus points today. <laughs> <laughs> you can get two points if you know who it is. You ready? Three points if I know the song, four points if I know the album, <laughs> five points if I know the album. None game. of it's outcast, so I'll put that out there. Well, that's fine.
0: It's not like that's the only one I listen to.
1: It's the only band you listen to. Or the, I mean, sorry, I wish. I mean, you listen
0: to. I wish, but I no.
1: All right, you ready? Yeah. All right, number one. They said it was, I didn't know that's what it was, but it is what it is. Football coach. Do you know who it is? No. Jimbo Fisher.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah, I believe that. I absolutely believe that. Ready for number two? Yeah, sure.
1: Some of them love the drama more than they love their mama. Rap lyric. You know who it is?
0: No. Jada Kiss. Jada Kiss, no, I I only listen to um, Why. That's my only Jada Kiss song I'm familiar with. Well, it's
1: from uh, the Welcome to My Hood remix, which has 13 verses on it. So, you got a lot to pick from. You can Google it and you can search it. Football coach. Nope. Oh really? Buster rhymes. Same song. Okay. Okay. It's gonna start getting harder from here. Hopefully. That's the plan, right? It's like Woodstock except everybody's got their clothes on. Football coach. Yep. You know mm-hmm. who it is? No, but I remember hearing it from I remember hearing it on ESPN. Mike Leach. Okay. It Wait, was, was that
0: at Texas Tech?
1: No, it's at Washington State. Oh, at Washington he's gotten State. weirder yeah. once he moved because now he's talking about people's weddings, he's talking about Woodstock, he's, you know, he just Yeah,
0: he, but he yeah, he's you know, he's no longer locking kids in sheds. No and...
1: <laughs> Allegedly locking a famous a former famous football player's kid in a shed, but I digress.
0: From what I've heard is that the kid kind of deserved it.
1: Well, the kid had a concussion. And so, you know, you're in Lubbock, Texas, which is a million and a half degrees. And I think the only place they could really put him what was the
0: AC on was the... Was really playing his favorite music.
1: He had water. Brass Bonanza was on a 10-hour loop. <laughs> oh, that'd be you if you were locked in. a. Uh, yeah,
0: if I was a, if they were put in solitary confinement, but they had Brass Bonanza on a 10-hour loop, that'd be the best 10 hours of my life. <laughs> They'd have to absolutely put a straight jacket
1: on me. He's got his favorite chocolate chip cookies. And a 10-hour loop of Brass Bonanza. All right. I play the coach, so I got to call it. What was that? I play the coach, so I got to call it. Rap lyric. Mm-hmm. You know who it is? Absolutely not. off from Walk It, Talk It. Beca- yep. This one's a personal favorite for the quote. and This one should be easy, but because I couldn't go for three. Football coach. You know who it is? Um... Buddy Ryan? Uh-uh. Ohio State. I'll give you that. Oh. Uh, punch a kid in the throat. Oh,
0: Woody Hayes. Yeah. Yeah, Woody Hayes. <laughs> he, I, was, I think, no, I think, honestly, I know, yeah, I guess it's college football, but I know Buddy Ryan. Uh, I think he said something f- uh, similar when they made Randall Cunningham run up the score against the Cowboys uh, in 1987 <laughs> after they were, because of the NFL strike and how the cowboys were like the ones that ruined the whole strike um and the, so they they did a fake knee at the end of the game uh and then they bombed it down
1: the field for a touchdown and then they i think they even went for two afterward classic and they well, were up
0: like three touchdowns the
1: quote comes from i don't remember which game it was but but they were up 36 to michigan and uh he was asked why they went for two and, Oh yeah because he couldn't go for <laughs> three
0: yep uh What's crazy is that Woody Hayes remained a professor of his, of like war of history, like war history or something at Ohio State after he was fired as a football coach. <laughs> like, I mean, you can still stay around here, and like walk around campus. You just and can't stuff.
1: punch the kids, Woody, okay? That's the only thing you can't do. No punching kids in throats in bowl games that are on TV and on the opposite team.
0: Yeah. For on that team, that's just discipline.
1: That's just good <laughs> discipline. <laughs> Got to teach them somehow. They got to learn someday. Uh, You'll probably know this one, too. Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm
0: trying not to lose myself. Um, Rap lyric. You you should know who it is. The message. And also um, Ice Cube's... uh, He had another song which sampled it, and he has the chorus. um, But instead of saying... uh, uh, I'm trying not to lose myself. He said something about how shotgun bullets are bad for your health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most deaf used it in a freestyle as why well. Why can
1: I not think of the name of that song? I can. It's a. Uh, oh, check yourself. Check yourself.
0: Duh. And then uh, most deaf did a freestyle, and that was the chorus for it. So, ding, ding, very ding, ding, well. Bonus,
1: the, m- the most bonus that's points
0: like, you can do. Yeah, that was like <laughs> 10 points right there. Message
1: of 1980. Motivation is simple. You eliminate those who are not motivated college football coach lou holtz correct motivation is simple uh that boy don't know the meaning of the word fear rap lyric i'm trying to think of from what though nope what yep bobby bowden and the rest of the quote is uh i in fact i just checked his grades he doesn't know the meaning of a lot of words that's legitimately the quote <laughs> Last wow. one uh, Probably get to this one What's the difference between me and you? Um,
0: that was from Dr. Dre's uh, 2001 album mm-hmm. And uh, I have not listened to that album in such a long time I can't think of the title but The title
1: lyric. is in the question I just asked you Rap lyric? No What's the difference between Oh, is me it just?
0: Is it just what's the difference? Or yeah, it's just what's
1: the difference. Okay. By Fish, the guy, not the band, because the, the, the hook is sang by Fish, which apparently yeah. is no one knows who it is. It's just some hip hop artist from like New York City. I'd seen him featured on a couple of stuff, but yeah, I'm, sure no, if you lo-
0: I'm sure if you look at his Wikipedia, it just has the box with his name and then like three lines. Did you then, mean this? This article is a stub. This article about a. Rap artist in blue <laughs> is a stub. If you would like to expand, check our guidelines, and
1: that's like most of
0: what his page says.
1: In fact, I looked up who is Fish, and you know what came up? It was the band Fish. So I didn't. There, there was no, no information. Proud of you, Jake. You got. I think you got eight out it of ten. It was Fish, on that.
0: and they had a picture of Jeff Conine. I'm sorry, that was too. That was that was. You got eight out of ten. I'm proud
1: of you. You only missed the Busta Rhymes lyric. That's and kind of Bobby upsetting. Bowden. What do you know? What album the Buster Rhymes? It's from it's from the same song as that Jaded Kiss. Era.
0: Oh yeah, you're right. Never that's why because I don't listen to Jada, Jada Kiss. So. Yeah, it's a
1: it's a third. I told you it's a thirteen verse DJ Khaled song. <laughs> 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 Sorry, uh, Jake. Also, since we're on the topic of college football, I know you and I were talking about this: the Georgia Tech Cumberland football game.
0: Yeah, and we'll get to that later. That's kind of we're gonna have a special episode today where we cover one of the most, uh, I would say, infamous moments in American sports history, honestly, and that is the uh, American history. Really, uh, in two in two days from now, it will be the hundred and second anniversary of Georgia Tech beating Cumberland College two hundred and twenty two <laughs> to nothing, and there's a huge background behind the whole thing and a lot of interesting stuff that happened during the game so we'll be spending a lot of time discussing that today
1: um yeah we i don't think we could do an hour on it but depending uh, on what can the do topic will we'll, i can I, I think what we should include with it too is i mean let's obviously feature it but we should also include some of the other biggest mat, like biggest score spreads in in college football history because oh, yeah i've got
0: a list i've got a list up to compare it okay so,
1: so because there's Maybe a lot we of
0: discussed this before we went on air but no
1: <laughs> the best planning comes organically um, but you think about like college football and you look into the 80s um for example you know you get like smu when they would play notre dame or mm-hmm. houston and you know they've got the death penalty so these teams are just like they would just run up the score as high as they could, and then they would complain when Nebraska or other programs would do it. It's like, but, but that's what you're doing too. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, obviously we aren't going to see any. I would hope we aren't going to see any two hundred and twenty-two to, but we but we saw uh what was it ninety to six, and we saw ninety three to ninety six to. So I mean,
0: that's the thing though. That's not even half. That's not even half of that. No,
1: it's not. But. That's the thing. is like we're getting we're getting to a number that's close, but it's still nowhere near. We're getting to a number that is in the relativity of scoring two hundred twenty two, but nowhere, nowhere near it.
0: I have like honestly, I think I have to say like, uh, if there is like one record in sports, I absolutely know for sure is unbreakable. It's this one. It's yeah, it's that one. Up there, I mean, it's up there, you know, Nemaggio's uh, 56-game uh, hitting streak, which according to some baseball calculation they said was mathematically impossible. So, I mean, and to have something that tops that I think says something.
1: Well, I was going to say, no, I mean, no one's even gotten close, have they, to 56? I think someone's maybe gotten 40. I mean, that's still not, I mean, that's still impressive. Oh, yeah. Thirty is like. <laughs> if you can get a hit in twenty straight games, I'm impressed. But you're right. I mean, that's. What's crazy too is that like,
0: Maggio went on to like, have. Like an early thirty-game hitting streak. The day after, he went. He over, breaks it and was like. He went eh. over, and then he didn't win the MVP or like the batting title. I need to look that up.
1: Oh, but do we want to? Do want to get into that later?
0: Absolutely not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, things might I start. I want to talk throwing.
0: about one of my favorite. Sports topics of all time. Can I tell
1: you a fun fact really quick? We'll probably talk about this later. Sure, why So, so Turner Gill, head coach at Liberty, Mm -hmm. and uh, there have been a couple of former uh, Nebraska assistants that have helped him coach out there. Um, And maybe if my laptop decides to load, but probably not, you know. No, why would it do that? Um, Why would would it help me? Um, But, so Liberty uh, plays New Mexico State this week. And they're in a unique situation where they are playing a home-and-home-and-home-and-home. Which means this year they're playing a home-and-home with New Mexico State. And then next year they're playing a home-and-home with Mexico State. So they're playing four times in in 14 months. And the reason being is, and I I don't know how much you know about Liberty. I don't know that much. But they just recently moved up to Division Mm -hmm. I. And so... The thing is is they're like we're going to move it to division 1 and everyone's like okay. okay and they were like we don't have a conference so we're just going to do it and they're at like, that point okay. it's like what? <laughs> like that uh it was crazy and New Mexico state ended up leaving the whack so then I left those two and I think it was just some kind of deal to to get a 12th game because uh Liberty was just scrambling to, to get any games they could. And I'm sure New Mexico State was, too, because... Because they're New Mexico State. They're not good. They're not good. They're or not.
0: relevant ever, in their life.
1: Yeah, and at one point, they didn't have road uniforms when they played their first road game, or second road game, I think, or whatever it well, it's was. It's a good thing so. that
0: no one has their colors besides, like, Texas A&M.
1: Yeah. Well, they were playing Minnesota, so Minnesota wore all white when they played. So, there's Lucky. that. But... I just wanted to throw that in there. I thought it was cool. I also thought it was ridiculous why you would. I I get moving up to Division One to get the money and everything, but you are a small. They're a small university in a state that already has Virginia and Virginia Tech two ACC programs. It's about programs. twelve thousand enrollment. Well, I'm not saying like small in the sense that themselves, but I mean compared to the other schools within the state of Virginia, it's. Okay smaller so I mean I see
0: it but their main thing is they'll
1: they find' they one. have the they'll they'll get stuck in the Sun Belt or man it's, it's
0: too bad that uh UNo didn't make the jump with their
1: football team as well jeez well they would have they would have had to wait what's the I think the process is is they would have had to move up to FCS before so they would have had to wait through that and then move up to FBS separately. So I don't I don't know what the process was, but I I think and I know it's just the rumor mill, but I still think there was some kind of uh agreement between the two universities that hey, if you go to a conference that doesn't have football, we won't make a hockey team. And I know people tell me like, "Oh no, that's just a rumor and this that the other." It's like that's just crazy talk. But at the same time, it's like so why did UNO get rid of their two most important like sports well, well wrestling two of three excuse me yeah they were just really
0: good at wrestling and they were pretty okay i at don't football. Uh, i have no idea why they got rid of wrestling i get. i understand football but you want to tell me that you wouldn't enjoy some wednesday night maction at Caniglia?
1: dude that would have been sweet like, yeah i would you i, I totally, it's a tuesday night it's a tuesday night you haven't slept Our in tone. three days Gonna go watch UNO play uh, Eastern Michigan. Michigan. Why are we thinking the same team?
0: Because they're both. That's the easily the worst team in the league. Have they won like a game in the past like four seasons?
1: Uh, Eastern Michigan beat Purdue this year, and Nebraska lost to Purdue. Jeez, I didn't really put those things together until right now. It was only a one point game, but and Purdue should have won. But yeah. Sorry, I didn't know if that ruined... That might have ruined your Friday morning, but... <sighs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, my gosh. I can...
0: What? <laughs> what? Nebraska lost to someone who lost to Eastern Michigan? Well, to Eastern be- Michigan, their hometown doesn't even have any vowels until, like, the second half of its name.
1: Well, the thing is... Well, they're not in Kalamazoo. No, that's Western Michigan.
0: They're in Plante. <laughs> <Blanny. laughs> that's how it's pronounced, apparently.
1: Um, the thing is, is Purdue should have won their first three games, anyways. We would have, you know. Sorry. sorry. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. I didn't. I didn't mean to throw a wrench in everything, but Purdue I lost just, to Eastern Michigan. So all I, maybe do, UNO been all I want to do. Maybe you know what. All
0: I want to do. I mean, of course I want Nebraska to be good, but, like, the bare minimum, can I just be allowed to punch down to Eastern Michigan? That's all I want out of a college football season. Like, that's the—that is the (laughs) smallest—that is the smallest thing I can ask for, is to be able to just punch down to Eastern Michigan or UAB— either of those two.
1: I think UAB is okay. But UAB's
0: now like now pretty decent.
1: I know, I should have I should have transferred there when I had the chance that way I could have made it onto the football team. Oh, you got to loosen up the old cannon, but I'm just saying. Punters don't throw. Oh, you're right. Arena football punters don't throw. Um I feel like mm-hmm. UAB's actually yeah they're yeah, starting they're, to get no, better good. I feel like
0: right which is like amazing because like they were always garbage and now when they came back after being their having their program canceled they've done decent and all another thing I want that this one's a they're little three too much. and one yeah this, this is year alone this is a little too much to ask for but um I really want to see a UAB upset over Alabama in the near future and I feel like if you if Alabama ever does get upset in the non conference Like, it's going to be to, like, UAB, and that's just going to be the greatest day of my life. They do go at
1: Texas A&M this year. uh, I know, but I
0: want, like, a a sub-500 team to beat them and just see
1: what happens. Oh, you don't want them to be good when they beat them? Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, like, when I... Iowa State oh. beat Nebraska in like ninety one or whatever. Oh, it was.
1: okay. So you're saying if there's like you a you want a upset, sub five hundred team to beat Alabama to like break a, that streak.
0: Like a true upset. Like a true like a small school over Alabama. I want it to be UAB.
1: But like uh, a UAB team that finishes eleven and one won't suffice for you?
0: No, I think that'll work. It's just
1: that it's just <laughs> like it's just like the smaller school beating the powerhouse. Also not the this may necessarily brighten up the spot of, you know, Eastern Michigan beat Purdue, but, you know, people people were knocking Troy when, when they played Nebraska. Troy's now 5-1 and one after winning last night. and oh, their, they're
0: good. They're good.
1: Their season last year started very similar to their season this year, which is they lost to Boise State in the first game, and then they won four straight. This year they've won five straight. And last year they beat LSU. This year they beat Nebraska. And so they're – I mean – they are encroaching on potentially finishing this season again, either ten and two or eleven and one in in their conference. Put so them in the
0: playoff. They deserve Troy, it. Troy, Troy might
1: be the group of five team to represent if you if UCF doesn't go undefeated. I just want to throw it out there. Now that we're way off topic, but wow. so the so the teams that have beaten Nebraska are either good or lost to teams that are not very good. <laughs> eastern michigan <laughs> so in other words nebraska
0: loses to everybody
1: i i don't know what kind of transitive property it is but if purdue lost to eastern michigan and nebraska lost to purdue might be a, might be a nail biter i'd like to see it we should have scheduled them
0: instead because <laughs> you know buffoon cookman isn't going to bring up their band so <laughs> i was not
1: really worth it my other buddy that I'll be on with later. He asked me if they're bringing the band, and I said I think that's what the eight hundred thousand dollars is courtesy for. If they don't bring the band, they might as well not pay them. That's the only reason I'm going to go to that game, honestly. I'm At sure they'll bring a small version game. of it. Wouldn't I? Mean, I would think. I, would I don't think know. so. Anyways.
0: Anyways, you want to talk about uh, the worst beatdown? Or are you, are
1: you? Do you think we should end the show early? Are we? Do you want to, do You want to do Cumberland, or do you want to do NHL?
0: We can we can close with the NHL. All right, yeah, go ahead. So anyway,
1: give the background for it.
0: Absolutely. Oh, oh man, is there. So
1: <laughs> let's start. It's only 102 years of it.
0: Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, this Sunday will be the 102nd anniversary of Georgia Tech beating Cumberland College, 222 to zero. So, anyways, for those of you who aren't familiar, we know that Georgia Tech, is now the Yellow Jackets, have been a, a pretty solid uh, football program uh, over the years. I'd say if we use the EA Sports Prestige rating, it would be about a four out of six stars. I'd say, which is pretty good. Yeah. Cumberland College now is NAIA, and mm-hmm. they are now known as the Phoenix. Um, but up and uh, as of two years ago, but most of their lifespan they have been known as the bulldogs so cumberland is in lebanon tennessee and earlier on around this time going back to about 1914 cumberland had had a decent football program a pretty okay but um they had discontinued their football program after a bunch of players had left because um, one of their coaches quit and the person who replaced the, uh, replaced the uh, coach was a local reverend and he wasn't a big fan of all the violence in, if uh, that came along with football. So he,
1: so, um, I, I think that's just the sport, right? Yeah. So he,
0: so here's some of the practices that he would use, uh, with the team. Are you, are you ready for this?
1: No, but yeah.
0: So one of them was for about an hour, they just tossed the football back and forth. They play a nice little game of catch. They just kind of you know, pitch it back and forth
1: about 10 yards apart. You got to remember this is 1916, so. Mm-hmm.
0: That's the thing that needs to be understood is that college football in 1916.
1: I'm sure more of the players in was Cumberland were just, in the war than playing football.
0: Well, not that, but what needs to be understood is that in 1916, college football was essentially just a step up from high school football. It was yeah. just like, hey, let's get a team together and let's go beat another. You know, let's go beat another college. It was. It's not the. It was not the money making thing that
1: Strap thing that leather on your head. We're playing
0: football. Like even football, even just forty, forty thirty years ago, college football wasn't really, what it is now.
1: Oh yeah, I mean seventies, seventies college football is.
0: It was just kind of much a, different. It was just kind of there's a certain little like niche culture for it. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, they'd play, you know, broadcast games, but it just it wasn't to the point where you argue is it as big as professional or not. In other words. So anyway, that being said, one of the practices they'd pass the ball back and forth. The other practice that they would use is they would have the entire team sit in a circle and they'd close their eyes. And then the Reverend would take the football. And he'd set it behind one of the players. And then the team had to guess which player they thought had the ball. Another disclaimer for this whole uh, episode is that I don't believe any of this. This is true. I've re- seen it in a video from John Boyce. I've read articles about this. I've read the book, um, You Dropped It, You Pick It Up, which is a big I'm um, you know description and retelling of the entire story and so there are multiple sources that claim what i'm going to be saying in this entire uh in this entire episode that apparently are true but it's up to you to believe them or choose to believe them or not because personally i don't believe what i'm saying but you know use your judgment so that being said as well That was one of the practices, was they'd hide the ball behind one of the players and have to guess who it was. Um, Later, these same practices were adapted by Mike Riley when he went to Nebraska.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I remember you mentioned something about Mike Riley yesterday. I didn't know when it was coming. That's good. Well, Well, he he was probably – I think he was there. He was an assistant coach in 1960. Well, yeah,
0: he's about that old. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Mike Riley was about forty years old, nineteen sixteen. <laughs> anyway, so after that happened, pretty much you know, as you'd expect, as Nebraska as had as it's happening to Nebraska now, all the players left, and so unlike Nebraska though, it was got to the point where Cumberland had to uh, discontinue their football team because they had no players. However, this upset the head coach of Georgia Tech, a guy by the name of john heisman that name probably sounds familiar
1: yeah the blitnikoff trophy
0: <laughs> i'm looking for a new host uh if yeah anyone's it's the interested. heisman award so anyway yes yeah, so of course the thing that comes to of course mind, it comes out of georgia tech
1: <laughs> yeah i mean now that i think about it, the trophy is a guy that's wearing like a leather helmet and old old school so that yeah. makes sense and yeah, but that's,
0: I mean, that's the first thing that'll probably come to mind for you with John Heisman, is that the, you know, one of the most prestigious trophies in all of, uh, North American sports is named after him. But, I um, mean, yeah, I, I know, but like, you know. I'm not, I'm not accusing you. I'm just saying. And, yeah, I, I'm just saying that I completely agree. But along with that, uh, John Heisman is one of the biggest architects of the modern game of football as a whole, not just college or pro. The forward pass was invented by uh, John Heisman. The snapping the ball from the center was John Heisman's idea. And the list, uh, since I couldn't name everything else. Oh, the scoreboard uh, of having the time, the down, and the yardage. That was his idea. And why won't this work? I am very upset about this. But John Heisman was a lot more than just... He's just having the trophy named after him. Can the internet get it together,
1: please? No.
0: All right. No? Okay. You know what? That's okay. Um, let me see. And also what should be known... Of, I'll get back to John Heisman and what else he had done for the game of football. But what should also be known about him now is that he was a um, very disciplinarian coach. Mm-hmm. He's once quoted as saying... Better to have died a small boy than to have fumbled this football. Which I think very well sums up his coaching style. And let me find the innovations that he had. Alright. Oh, there's also a musical um, about John Heisman, in case you're wondering. If you ever were, ever. Uh, yeah, we should probably do a you rend- re-
1: rendition of it. Yeah,
0: yeah, we should. Um, actually, I think we should do a, uh, a musical on uh, Danny Knee. Now there might. Now that's an idea. That's an idea. So I'll, John Heisman was not. Oh, sorry. Are you, you going to say something?
1: I was just to say maybe it'll uh, get Nebraska basketball be good again. <laughs> no. Go ahead. Oh, Okay. <laughs>
0: And so anyway, John Heisman, along with being the football coach uh, for the Georgia Tech engineers, as they were known back then, um, he was also the baseball coach. And the reason I mention that is that Cumberland, um, to make up for their loss of a football program, they decided to increase their uh, interest around their athletic program, starting with their baseball team. So anyway, what they had done was that a student manager by the name of George E. Allen, who will come up later, decided to disguise the Cumberland baseball team, since they weren't good enough, they disguised some minor leaguers as the Cumberland baseball team and played Georgia Tech. Again, coached by John Heisman. These minor leaguers ended up beating Georgia Tech 22 to nothing. And in, at one point, in yeah.
1: football or in baseball, baseball, because okay, John I, uh,
0: Heisman was also a baseball coach, as I mentioned. Class, I mean,
1: I I figure that's what you're still talking about, but mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure. Okay,
0: and so they beat they beat him twenty-two to nothing, and at one point they just started bunting because it was so bad, and John Heisman uh, refused to quit, and so Cumberland scored three runs on bunts alone. Wow. So.
1: You know, different, different, uh, era. I think the
0: uh, Red Sox tried that against the Orioles this year.
1: <laughs> Probably could have worked. It was uh, the Orioles.
0: Well, yeah, they were 61 finished 61 games out, so <laughs> goodness.
1: Anyways, go ahead.
0: Sorry, I had to take a sip. Gotta get it Wash your throat out. So, as you might understand now from John Heisman's personality, losing 22 to nothing baseball uh, you know not not his ideal saturday afternoon right so he wanted his revenge oh, he got it he and he saw his opportunity when he looked at the schedule for next season and saw that the second game of the year was against cumberland college however there was a problem with that cumberland college didn't have a football team they had discontinued it as i would mentioned previously but john heisman mm-hmm he was not having that. He demanded. He actually ended up demanding that Cumberland College uh, form form a team, or else he would find them three thousand um, dollars, which is I think sixty six thousand in today's money. It's still a lot, it, especially for back then when they because their athletic program. You know, like I said, this is just glorified high school football. Sixty six thousand dollars. It's quite a bit to it you know, a small school athletic uh, department in 1916. So they really had no choice but to round up some sort of football team to play against Georgia Tech. So it starts with... So they get the minor league baseball team. (laughs) Well, have you ever... Okay, have you ever seen the movie Replacements? Yes. Um, So it's like that, but the worst thing ever. So... George Allen, who I'd mentioned was the student manager uh, for the baseball team, he uh, had to be the head football coach. He was he twenty? I think he was. Let's see how old he was. Yeah, he was twenty years old, and he was the head football coach of a college football program, going up against John Heisman in the in Georgia Tech, mm. who was the best, probably the best college or no best football team period on the planet. And going to a small school at Cumberland, which is now... Let's see how size it is. Cumberland University, as of today, has 1,500 students. And he has to create a football team to play the best team on the
1: planet. Should be easy, right? Seems like a simple task. Get them all on the sideline.
0: Well, according... uh, Actually, I was looking this up. The answer is... No, (laughs) it's not. It's actually very, very difficult to do. Did you do your research on that one? Yes. it's Two and a half hours of it, actually. I found the answer, and it was no. Proud of you. And so uh, what happened was George Allen had to create a team that only had, I I think the number was about, let me look. It was between 12 to 16 players for this football team. Um, About half of the team, or a little bit more, were just his fraternity brothers. And a couple others were trying to impress uh, professors or trying to get extra credit by joining this team, this one-time team. And And a lot of them didn't even know the rules to football, of these 16 players.
1: The scoreboard would show
0: that. And... As I have mentioned, they're playing the best football team on the planet. So, all right, we go to October 7th, 1916, the day that it actually happens. John Heisman is looking, looking for his revenge. No mercy against a group of law students that don't know the rules to football
1: frat brothers
0: and frat brothers that don't know any rules to football now thankfully i'll say this early george allen was not necessarily affected by this he uh ended up becoming a political operative um and was very good friends with a number of presidents in his lifetime including uh uh, fdr and uh, truman so probably abraham lincoln too uh, Abraham Lincoln was already dead C- Come on So With that being mentioned I'm just going to start off with Some of the stats For right now um, Some stats right now That can be um, 97% of the games uh, Plays Were in Cumberland's territory I Say that one more time Ninety-seven percent of the game's plays were in Cumberland's territory, and so that's just kind of a little, little start to what we're going to get into. And I'm going to read this directly from the article because there's so many things that happen in this game that I I can't like pull them out individually right now. It's going to have to like strain them. So let's just start off by reading it so we just have a simple beginning. Cumberland received the opening kickoff and failed to make a first down. After they punt, the engineers scored on their first play. Cumberland then fumbled on their next play from the line of scrimmage, and a Georgia Tech player returned the fumble for a touchdown. The Bulldogs fumbled again on their next play, and it took two Georgia Tech rushes to score its third touchdown. Cumberland lost nine yards on its next possession, and Georgia scored a fourth touchdown on another two-play drive. Some of the notable plays... um, One of Cumberland's chances to win was they had complete daylight on a kickoff return and were running down the field. Like I said, complete day... Just absolute open field until he ran into one of his own players that was looking for his classes. Let me restate this. You can choose to believe this or choose not to believe this because this stuff is just so ridiculous. It's kind of off the wall. That I... I don't really believe it, but
1: everything says that it's true. I mean, I believe they won 222 to nothing. Kind of. Based on the... Well, yeah. As John Boyce once put it,
0: you can technically score this kind of game. a two. You can technically give this game a score, but you can also give a blue ribbon to a supernova. And I think that's a very good way of putting it. But some of the other some of the other players, uh, at one point uh, a player was chased off the field by a wild dog. There were about Classic. four players that ran away from the stadium during the game from Cumberland. Oh my goodness! Um, in fact, yeah, two of them were hiding behind a picket fence that surrounded the stadium, and it pl- uh, one of the players. Named Pee Wee, who was he was one of the players that was just there to uh, get extra credit, did not know the rules to football, and I think within the first quarter, uh, Cumberland completely lost their quarterback depth, thus putting Pee Wee in for uh, at quarterback. And here is another football movie reference: uh, Longest Yard with uh, Adam Sandler. Yeah, yeah, they put in uh, Sandler's backup quarterback who like just can't like do anything. This is pretty much what Pee-Wee was, but Pee Wee was much, much, much much worse. They snapped the ball to him. He threw the ball in the air out of sheer terror. And ran away. So we went behind the picket fence where there are already two players. And they didn't want Pee-Wee giving away their hiding spots. So they picked him up and they threw him back over into the field. Which I think gives away when someone just flies over a picket fence. It's like he- he had a really good jump. That was a really good standing jump. I think that kind of gives it away. And again, I'm looking for things to just disprove that this ever happened. But there's nothing that really goes against it. So anyway, I think it's time to uh, dig deep to some, some other stats. As I mentioned earlier, uh, you dropped it, you pick it up. Even though the book is out of print, if you can find a way... To get yourself a copy, check that out. There's a John Boyce video on it. John Boyce is kind of the reason this whole show was started. And so check that video out if you want to know more. But we're just going to get into some of the stats side of this entire um, story and get some of the stuff that those guys didn't necessarily uh, cover. So, Colton, would you like to guess, or would you just want me to read off the? Rushing and passing and kicking the scoring statistics. I'll
1: I'll guess, but we'll kind of do rapid fire here. All right. So, uh,
0: Cumberland. We're going to do Cumberland's uh, stats. Actually, let's do Georgia Tech stats first. All right. right. Rushing attempts. uh, Or or 26. I'll give you that one. Um, How many yards rushing?
1: On 26 attempts? Yeah. Uh, 419.
0: 522.
1: Okay. I wanted to go five, but I thought that might have been just a little too much. (laughs) How
0: many rushing touchdowns? Sixteen. Eighteen. <clears throat> How many fumbles lost by a Georgia Tech?
1: One. Zero. Oh. I thought maybe they gave up one.
0: Um guess their completions and attempts for passing.
1: Uh completions four.
0: How many attempts? Eight. Uh actually it was zero
1: completions and
0: zero attempts. Okay,
1: I didn't I I wanted <laughs> they
0: never. yes, Georgia Tech. Hey, they never still passed. don't
1: they still don't throw the ball.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. 102 years later, Keep, here yeah, we are. 102 years later, they've also had uh, one passing attempt since. <laughs> so, yeah, zero, zero attempts passing. So, of course, zero yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, and then there were no attempted field goals by either team. However, extra points, Georgia Tech, 30 extra points made on 32 attempts. Now let's go to... Oh, uh, they
1: could have had 224 points. They They left points on the
0: board. Now let's go to Cumberland. 27 attempts. How many rushing yards? Negative 14. Negative 42. Okay. Rushing touchdown, zero. How many fumbles lost? How many fumbles lost? Nine. There we go. That's all right. Nine. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nine. All right. Now
1: passing. Completions attempts. I'm going to go zero completions on 14 attempts.
0: Yeah, kind of close. Uh, two completions on eighteen attempts. Okay. For fourteen yards and how many interceptions?
1: <laughs> Six.
0: Got it again. Did I really? So, yeah. So we got good 15- at turnovers. Yeah. So fifteen turnovers for Cumberland in this game to zero for
1: Georgia Tech. It's kind of like when Nebraska lost uh, eight against Iowa State. Oh yeah, very similar. Anyway.
0: The box score for this was, after the first quarter, it was 63 to nothing, Georgia Tech. At halftime, it was 126 uh, to nothing. And then I don't know how to add after that, but it ended up being 222 to nothing. And it should be added that George Allen himself, at halftime, went to John Heisman and essentially begged for mercy and said, Hey, I got my team together. We showed up. Can we go home now? Is it okay if we go home? I mean, you kind of won this game. Nope. And John Heisman, yes, he was very disciplinarian, but he was a good sportsman, and he decided um, he would throw in a mercy rule. He would uh, reduce the quarters. There's actually there's differing uh, accounts on this. It was either he reduced the game to twelve minute quarters, or he just reduced the game to five uh, by five minutes.
1: You know, Which when you're being a team
0: sense- by hundred twenty six to nothing.
1: Well, that's. You know, if you reduce it to twelve, that's six minutes less. Yeah, yeah if six you minutes. Just do five, so either six it,
0: minutes or five minutes. Yeah, but nonetheless, at the most, he only pl- they only played ninety percent of this game.
1: I'm Anyways, telling you, they left those two points on the board.
0: Well, let's, let's <sighs> go to this next part here, where it says: since World War II, only yep. a handful of schools have scored a uh, hundred points or more in a college football game. The modern era record for most points scored against a college football opponent. Is 106 by Fort Valley State of Georgia against Knoxville College in 1969. In 1968, Houston defeated Tulsa 106 and set an NCAA record in major college football. In 1949, the University of Wyoming defeated Northern Colorado 103 0 nothing, and the Division III scoring record uh, was set in 1968 when North Park defeated North Central College 104-32 with 10 touchdown passes. If you look through at all those scores that were mentioned, the winning team at in all of those scores didn't even didn't even score half of what Georgia Tech scored in this one game. One second, I'm not I'm not done. Georgia Tech scored 32 touchdowns as we mentioned with their 32 extra points. Right. They played 55. This is the 55 minute statistic as coming from John Boyce. Um, Thirty two touchdowns in fifty five minutes. Georgia Tech had to have scored a touchdown every minute and forty three seconds.
1: They're running the old Oregon offense. Yeah. Well, you gotta think too, if every time I know it only happened fifteen times, but if every time that Cumberland's touching the ball, they're probably turning it over, that could happen pretty quick because their defense isn't good enough wasn't good enough to stop Georgia Tech. So I can see that, but that is I mean, that's quick, but if those 15 turnovers turn, all turn into two-play drives, three-play drives, mm-hmm. I mean, there's 15 touchdowns right out of the way.
0: I honestly, I don't even think I've gotten to the best statistics of this game yet.
1: <laughs> You've got 10 minutes, Jake, so you better make it. All right.
0: It. Snap. So, there was a 39-play streak during which the line of scrimmage never left Cumberland's red zone. Not, not their, ter- like, their red zone. The 20-yard line. That is 32% of the entire game. My goodness. And 64 of those plays, in total, were from Cumberland's own uh, red zone. And I'm trying to find if there's a... If you can maybe look it up and find it and let me know how many plays took place in this game. They might have that statistic somewhere. But 64 were in... Actually, I'll do the calculation. 39 would be 32%. So, that's about 120... Over half the plays were in Cumberland's red zone. Kind of doing very rough... A very rough
1: estimate. Trying to pull up the play by play here. Yeah, I think it's about 120 plays. Man, this is. Well, I mean, if you think. Yeah, you just add up how many plays they had and how many Georgia Tech had, and you're good. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Anyway.
0: Now we're. Now this is one of my. Now we're. Clicking. Next are my next two favorites. So. <laughs> This is just. I I still don't believe that this game ever happened. Honestly, I just I feel hope it like did. this is like an FBI like thing, just to like keep us.
1: We're investigating it right now. Yeah. So between
0: 2000 and 2015, this is another good guess one for you. Okay. Between 2000 and 2015 in Division One college football, how many offenses failed to score 222 points in
1: an entire season? Uh. Almost every Kansas team, and two hundred twenty-two. How many? Yeah. Uh, it's a double-digit number. I'm assuming, right? Yes. Twenty-seven. One hundred fifty-one. One hundred fifty. I said double-digit, not triple-digit. <laughs> well, at minimum, it's you know zero. Yeah, and then that's true. That's true. I'll give you that. One hundred fifty-one. I guess there's I. I'm only thinking like schools that matter. Um, no that. That sounds about right. So yeah.
0: So let's see. That's 15-year span. About each year, 10, 10 schools yeah. do not score the number of points that Georgia Tech once did an entire game. Yep. And now we're going to finish it off with one last stat. Colton, tell me,
1: how many first downs were in this game? Both teams combined. Both teams. Well, Georgia Tech didn't have to get first downs. They just got touchdowns. <laughs> how many first downs? Get- oh, man. Three. Zero.
0: No first downs okay, in this entire game. There were 222 points, and there were zero first downs.
1: We, yeah, because every time they exactly. touched the ball, they scored very exactly. much. And that's
0: why, And but I mean, well, kind of. It got to a point where once uh, it was quoted that a Cumberland player who fumbled it um, told another player to pick it up. And then he said, no, you fumbled it, you pick it up. <laughs> and that sums up what kind of game this was. Uh, that is the story of Georgia Tech versus Cumberland 102 years ago as of this Sunday in 1916.
1: To bring this all to perspective... Nebraska in 1916 was coming off one of their best streaks of of program history at the time, very Mm -hmm. young history. Yeah. Um, Six straight conference titles in the Missouri Valley. Mm -hmm. um, And they had a remarkable 153, 47, and 11 overall record. 1915, they beat Notre Dame. Um, And like I said, to bring this to perspective, Nebraska shut out one, two, three, four of their opponents, but the biggest margin of victory they had was 53 to nothing. A quarter of what Georgia Tech scored. Just about exactly. So, and then they also lost 20 to nothing at Notre Dame. So, it's shutouts were not uncommon by any means.
0: Oh, they were very common, in fact.
1: And and they were very, like, lopsided shutouts, usually, Mm -hmm. but they were not 222 to nothing.
0: Like, if you look at the NFL scores for, like, the first 20 years of its existence, there was, um, and this is going back from another, this is also, thank you, John Boyce, for this, but in. The I think it was like 1926. The Chicago Bears or Cardinals finished started a season with their first four games all being shutouts. And their fo- that fourth game was played in like a 40 degree rain. And so 3,000 people went to that game, knowing it was probably going to be a shutout like the first three games. It's so like yeah, it's raining. Maybe they'll score, and then they didn't. Oh, it's
1: raining. <laughs> Uh, Also, to bring this to perspective, we were talking about how Georgia Tech has not completed a pass since. Um, In five games this year, they're 32 for 66 passing uh, with 570 yards. Rushing, they have 272 attempts as a team, 1,696 yards. So if that doesn't describe that Georgia Tech just always runs the ball, I don't know what does, to be honest. But...
0: There you go. I remember a bunch of uh, the dark horse candidate for Nebraska's head coach when we were looking for one last year. Uh, was, was John hiring... Heisman. <laughs> <laughs> Someone was going to puppeteer the course with John, John Heisman. Uh, no, um, was Georgia Tech's coach just to bring the triple option back.
1: Paul Johnson, right? Yeah, Paul Johnson, yeah. I'm surprised, and, and not to get off topic, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of who we but are.
0: That's it's what we do. It's who we are. Uh,
1: we're PR. What? Paul paul johnson he's a good coach but honestly i'm kind of surprised he's still there because you'd think people are are tired of that triple option but it works and the other thing too is there's another team in georgia i think it's georgia state or it's georgia southern it's one of the whichever one runs i think it's georgia southern whichever one runs a triple option they brought in a new coach a few years ago Mm -hmm. and uh they um They brought in a new coach, and he's like, "We're we're gonna change the model." And (laughs) this back in like 2014, like we're gonna change it from triple option, and then they just they just stunk up the place, and they uh, they ended up getting a new coach. Uh, They get they get a new coach that comes in, and he's like, "You know what? We're going back to the triple option, (laughs) and now they're okay again." So, well, anyway. We uh, got three minutes left, Colton. Two forty five, yep. We're gonna give I gotta give two
0: birthday shout outs. Actually three. One is one be, Keith. One is to myself uh, uh, this Tuesday.
1: That's four days. No, let's do that. And so
0: on. is the other two we'll celebrated next week. One of them is to head coach, uh, former head coach of Oklahoma and the Dallas Cowboys, Barry Switzer.
1: Happy birthday, Barry.
0: One of two coaches all time to have won both the NCAA national championship. And the Super Bowl. And the other one that we're going to go to is Mario Lemieux, um, one of the greatest hockey players of all time. Mario. Mario. Happy birthday. Super Mario. Happy birthday to you. Undoubtedly one of the greatest hockey players of all time. Colton, we are both pretty uh, illiterate in hockey, but we still like it. Gotta have it. uh, We still like watching it, so... In two minutes, Colton, do you have a top five hockey players of all time? Where is Mario
1: Lemieux on that list? Um, I I don't off the top of my head, but you want me to? You want, well, I'm you just gonna cool say this is this is a no order, but Lemieux's got to be up there. Gretzky's definitely up uh, there. Gretzky's
0: number one. You can't um, can't
1: argue. Who's the guy that played for the Red Wings? Uh, uh, Gordie Howe. Gordy Howe. Mr. Hockey gotta be up there. Yeah, I don't know how I forgot he was, his name. He
0: was his name. His nickname was Mr. Hockey, which was trademarked, and his wife was a trade. I swear. Weird. Is it Miss Hockey? Mrs. Hockey, <laughs> and it was trademarked as well.
1: <laughs> um, fill in the other two for me. I all I right. Can so think yeah, more, I have but... those.
0: I have Gretzky one, Lemieux two. Um, how was my fifth? He just had the personality to yeah. boost him up. But my third is Bobby Orr, the yeah, only yep. defensive defensive uh, player to score over hundred points in a season. And then Bobby Hull, solely on having the most powerful slap shot ever, usually during the slap shot competition players will get like 104 to win. Mm-hmm. My dad once said, hey, I was reading an article when I was a kid and uh, talked about how Bobby had has slap shot 120 miles per hour and I'm like, no, no, he didn't. That, that's I, not. Think, and I that, think that record and then was I ended broken, up looking back, it? And then I ended up looking up and he actually did have a slap shot of 120 because miles they, per hour. They, the, they didn't even have face masks back then.
1: They do that in the All-Star game. Now.
0: Everyone had a busted
1: face. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite hockey... We've got 30 seconds. Do you have a favorite hockey player of all time? Like, personal... Cause mine's either Patrick Marlowe or Joe Thornton for the Sharks, either one.
0: Ah, uh, I, I used like to grow up a big Blues fan. I'm not anymore, but I do really like Chris Pronger and um, Al McInnes. I like him too. Evgeny
1: Babakov, probably my favorite goalie of all I time. I think
0: Ty Domi though. Jake, I ten seconds. Ty Domi. I got shout out to Rolly. Shout out to Mustache Man. Shout out to Pot Rose. Um, who else do we got? I can't. I can't. Sideshow, Side really, I don't know. Really, sideshow. Forgot. My dad, and we got a shout out to all the mommies that are keeping it high and tight.
1: <laughs> Until next Friday, it'll be Jake will be twenty one. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening.
0: All right.